0: Do you like to read? Are you tired of the podcasts out there that just skim the surface of books? Or how about the book clubs that are designed to just get you to buy the book? Yeah, we were tired of those too. My name is Alan and along with my friend Phil, I was tired of all of those superficial discussions of books. We wanted something deeper. So we created this podcast for us to discuss what we wanted to dive deep into the books we read. Are you ready? Because this ain't your mother's book club. This is Two Dudes with an Opinion. Come on. We're going to hit it back later. Yeah, we'll come back to that. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into it. All right, what are we talking about today? Extreme Ownership. We are on the second to last chapter. Chapter 11. Chapter 11. And this chapter features a very famous person. You know this person. We, we all know this person. I love this person. Love is a strong word. <laughs>
1: I'm just kidding. Do you love your freedom? Do you appreciate, you know, being able to eat the macaroni and cheese
0: the way you want it? Come on. No, I want to be told exactly what to do all the time. It's getting more and more common. So happy work for you. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So the reason why I'm saying that this chapter features a famous person because they made a movie about him called American Mm -hmm. Sniper, and the movie. Features a guy named Chris Kyle, and Chris Kyle is probably one of the best American snipers ever. Maybe one of the best snipers ever in the history of the world, uh, as it stands right now. Um, he will his he will be studied for quite a long time, I suspect, within military circles. And the chapter, long and short of it, starts out with Chris kind of just sitting on top of a building and monitoring things and says, hey, guess what? I got a guy in this one building. What should I do? Um, yeah. Anything you want to add into that lead in before I, I like start diving into the discussion? You know, let's have fun with it, right? Um. So there is Chris. There is. This is Late at this point, right, Chris and Leith. Yeah. So Leif is ta- we're talking about it. Um, I think Chris is on his own with his spotter, and I think that's it. Hold on, but keep. Okay. So, um, there,
1: there is. Uh, Chris has a target he can't identify exactly. He sees a basically he sees a, a sniper rifle or a scoped rifle is I think what they say. So they know probably some kind of sniper. Um, it's not, they're, you know, they know where all the good guys are, right? They know obviously with no uncertainty. So they, obviously it's not a good guy. Could it be, right? There's the question.
0: So they one they don't necessarily say whether or not Leif was right there with him, but it is possible. Um, with a the radio, it doesn't matter. The, the long and short of it is that really doesn't matter. He was uh, Leif and Chris were communicating, and so like Chris is trying to get life. Hey, this is where we're at. This is what we're doing. Uh, the platoon is operating in conjunction with an army unit. Uh, two, 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 two. They have an M1A2 Abrams uh, and a Brad- and Bradley fight. Uh, Fighting vehicles, blah blah blah. They have a lot. Armored cavalry. Yes. There. Yeah. And I mean, obviously as armored cavalry and you're moving through the streets, you're kind of concerned when somebody says, Hey, I got a guy in a window in a place like this. You should be. <laughs> right? <laughs> should be. If should you're be. not if you're not concerned, there's if something you're not wrong, wrong. You're crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. you know so and we've all been there let's not judge right those are some kind of strong
0: words right crazy but
1: yeah yeah you know those those
0: are, are, are triggered. getting triggered by that word? a little
1: bit yeah yeah you know i'm starting or, to feel um, you know repressed and i need to do some kind of re- reparations for crazy people because they've been abused right pro, pro- you mean reparations reparations yes reparations let me write that word <laughs>
0: Sorry. All right. Your lack of vocabulary sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's just I, I told to you your life. That is actually an interesting thing that we could talk about at some point. Yeah. Um there should be a book about it. There are many books, I'm sure. Because there are a lot of studies about IQ and happiness and um people. Like um, how uh, how many high IQ people kill themselves? A lot. Right. Mostly get divorced too. That's true. Uh, okay. So <laughs> basically the, they the army are, are kind of like, yeah, take him out. And Leif is asking Chris. Oh, yeah. Hey, take
1: him out is like a nice way to say it. Yeah. It would be like, take him out. You son of a now. Yeah. yeah or we'll die and it's on your head you mother please yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> mother trucker uh-huh. <laughs> like uh-huh. i like it i like it um so okay cool great yeah but leif is like uh do you have eyes on this guy like can you can you see him can you like, right. chris is like yeah i've lost him. Are you if sure it's he's not a friendly guy <laughs> yeah and Chris, because Chris, lead is pretty permanent. Wait, second. What? Lead is pretty permanent. <laughs> oh no no. no, no! I know, we, I we know. Don't
1: death. Yeah, well, you know, we like to think of this death is a transient state between cremation and hell. Yeah, it's true.
0: <laughs> so they, they they waffle back and forth a bit, Leif and Chris, because they, they're like, yeah, we need to take this guy out, if this is a bad guy, to protect the guys that are talking words, to protect the army unit coming down the road, okay? And they're sitting there like, if we don't take this guy out, the consequences are, are pretty bad. And if we do take this guy out and we're not 100% certain, the consequences are also pretty bad. So, <laughs> I mean, there's a a point here where like Leif is debating in his head what's going on, and like uh, so oh, by the way, they do say uh, here like individual with the scoped weapon, <laughs> and it's and that's why I said Leif. a scoped weapon. <laughs> oh, I know you said oh, sniper. I said what rifle? I'm wrong. No, you said sniper rifle, and then you said scoped weapon. Which was both are, in my opinion, correct, Um, because they both pretty much refer to the same thing. Anyway, yeah, so life's having a debate in his head, like, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And they keep, and the army keep pressing him, pressing him, and pressing him, like, hey, take him out, take him out, take him out. You get a, you get sight, take him out. And I mean, there's even in here a, 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 hey. What are you waiting for? You need to kill him because if we don't, you're gonna get my my men killed, and and that's a big important concern. Like especially because you're working with different units, you need to sit there and make sure you're doing you know the things right. So one uh, okay, cool. all right, so Leif is sitting there like, I, I'm i not doing this because I don't feel comfortable about this. I do not feel. And, and the thing is, Leif is 100% in the right because if he shoots and it's blue on blue, which we talked about previously in a pr- the, like, the very first episode. A few
1: times, yeah, from the beginning. Which,
0: which is basically friendly fire. Leif's in trouble. Leif's the one who gets his, his, his well, gets fired, not the army guy. The army guy's just pressuring him. Leif has the ultimate decision. Screw fired. He has to live with knowing that he executed an American. Yep.
1: Or an American hero. Or right? Iraqi. Or Iraqi. Yeah, or Iraqi, right? But the risk is he he's the one that uh, essentially called the command to execute somebody.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So... He's like, I, I'm not doing this. And they keep looking and they keep looking. And like They just go on and on about how going back and forth. Well, what do they do? All right, what, what's going on? Leif talks to them and says, you need to go clear that building. I'm not gonna shoot. I'm not gonna take this guy out. You need to go clear that building. Because that's about the only sure way to make sure that you're not going to kill someone you shouldn't be killing. (laughs) It's such a funny way to put that, (laughs) but it's war. (laughs) This is war, right? It's uh, it's not comfortable. People getting killed every day. Mm -hmm. So So they finally agree, and guess what happens? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's on the edge of their seat. The the team that's meant to go clear the building that Chris Kyle is looking at, that Leif is looking at, bursts out of the building that Chris Kyle is looking at, that Leif is looking at. What 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 happened? Well, port communication, fog of war, whatever you want to talk about it. They got bad Intel on where, on building numbers, things like that.
1: Whatever you, you kind know. of want to say, the idiots didn't know
0: what building they're in. Oh, and that's pretty much what I think that's right. The, at some
1: points, no matter what kind of hero it is, you, you deserve to say that. Right. Yep. Um, and it's hard to do and we've all been an idiot. So don't take it personally, boys, uh, at that moment, they felt like idiots. There's a lot yep. of people there are feeling like idiots.
0: Yep, and, a, and they probably also person. felt relief. Oh yeah, because they're alive. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, but I, I'm like also sitting there, like you know, one the the guys. So so uh, to back up for a second, essentially what was happening is Chris Kyle was looking at the bill bu- a building that was holding American troops and thought that that building was was empty and because he thought that building was empty when he saw movement from the american troops in that building he thought that was an enemy he did not know he could not make a proper uh decision or call about that because there just wasn't anything super identifying about the person or maybe the windows were, were I think um, yeah I
1: think you couldn't see cuz they're mostly trying to be concealed so they don't get shot yeah. by a sniper of fire
0: right there you go yep which is good, you know, good yeah. what they're supposed to do. And Leif was sitting there like, this doesn't feel right. Something's going on. And so he said no because he thought that – or because he, he needed certainty. He needed to know what was going on, which is he – he Keep in mind. mind, he's been trained and he says it, that when you're, when
1: you're told with a sniper or with a round of artillery to fire on something, you need to really identify it. And he says you can't take some of those choices back. Right, right. It's, it's not a choice. It, it's not like you go through the door and you lock them down so fast that they don't have to respond to get dressed unless you know they're American or friendly, you know, friendly troops, right? You, you're killing them, right? And there's mm-hmm. no, there's no second thoughts on that. There's no coming yeah. back, right? There's no, oh, I'm sorry, right? You don't. you, you can't take back that decision. And there, there's decisions you can walk back from. And then there's decisions you can't. And the ones you can't you need to be a little bit more diligent on. Right,
0: exactly. Exactly. And, and all, all of this. So, yeah, I, I can't really put it anymore. <laughs> so basically what's going on with this is they're, they're talking about how to be decisive, how, how to make decisions in the midst of uncertainty. And that is, I, it's extremely important for us to be able to do that. Uh, Sir, I I, yeah. Uh, Okay, so we can. How do I put this? We we will never know what the fog of war is like until we're in the midst of the fog of war, and the number of decisions that need to be made and the uh, the decisions that need to happen on the battlefield amidst all of that uncertainty is absolutely intense and insane. And very, I mean, just to get on like a, a little bit of a soapbox type moment, we often back here, we, we, we Monday morning quarterback off of uh, these, these, military commanders, a lot. And it's hard not to do that because we sit there, uh, we don't know. We just don't understand what that's like and what that situation was really like until we've actually been in it. And so we question and we say all that and we probably shouldn't. So that's my soapbox. Well, you can talk about it. I think that's good.
1: Um, I think it's good to question. Right, and I think it's good to question as long as you're keeping an open mind, realizing you're quarterbacking. And, uh, and I don't know if this is a part. Yeah, and I think this is a big quote from the book, and I'm not sure if I'm destroying it, but I'm going to kind of just throw it out there. It's mm-hmm. at times an educated guess is going to be the best option you have available, mm-hmm. and this is when a leader's knowledge and experience is especially critical. To compensate for missing information. Now, yeah. when we're quarterbacking, we have the full picture. Plus, we generally have their thoughts, and we mm-hmm. can then look at that, analyze it. Uh, and what we're we, sometimes we don't realize is that we're analyzing the analytics of the post of their post review when they're being open mm-hmm. and honest, mm-hmm. or not. Right? Um, but you're you're looking at it from uh, above with the full picture, and that doesn't ever happen. Uh, in the fog right. of war, and like
0: right. and to take the that and downplay it a little bit um, to the everyday. Uh, so I want to take that and so the fog of war is pretty intense, and we all we, we should all we, we can all acknowledge that, and we can all acknowledge that in business. You're, well, I should say in life in general, it's highly unlikely that you're going to run into as intense of a situation as the fog of war. Um, There are those rare exceptions and occasions where that does happen, like you you end up in the midst of a riot for some reason. Um, With a brick in in your hand? hand. How did this brick get in my hand? Yeah. Yeah. thrown in that building. Okay. Officer, I was sitting there, and the brick just appeared, and I had to get rid of it because I knew if you saw me with it, you would arrest me. So I threw it away, and accidentally, and I accidentally threw it in the direction of that building.
1: Bill jumped in my way. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) So, the fog of war. I, I I'm saying that a lot, and a lot of it is just to try and trigger some thoughts in my head. It's basically uncertainty, and in in life, we just we don't have the full picture. We have no idea about everything. We can never have the full picture of things. And so, when you are working and, and you're being a leader, or you're you're even being a follower. Uh, Subordinate, you're never going to have the full picture about everything that's going on. I mean, let's think about. uh, Let's put it this way: in um, in software development, we tend to have what we call daily stand-up meetings, and the stand-up meetings are. Everybody getting together and all the developers and the project management team and sometimes the product owners getting together, sitting there and the software development team essentially gives updates about where they're at. And I would argue also that uh, pro- project managers and product owners should also be giving updates about where they're at because that's an important uh, aspect. They, they are an important aspect of the team as well. What you do typically is answer three questions. What did you do yesterday? What are you planning on doing today? Because daily stand-up meetings are theoretically supposed to be first thing in the morning before you before the uh the rest of the, the workday. Uh sometimes they because of our digital era, they end up being in the middle of your day, or maybe even at the end of your day. But anyway. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the other is: Do you have any blockers, or do you need any uh, help with something? And that's what something that you need to answer in that standup. Now, standup is supposed to, is meant to be quick. Uh, I believe the the I believe
1: it's-
0: I I don't care how long you give your standup. I believe that the uh, Scrum model, uh, which is one of the more popular agile methods, which is what stand up falls under, uh, recommends 15 minute stand ups for the entire team. Um, the idea then is everybody gives their update, and if there needs to be any more in depth discussions that happen, uh, those ha- have to happen in a separate meeting. And that's the, the best way to do it. Anywho. So. The idea so you're you're constantly giving stuff. Now, if you are a project manager or you're like the lead software developer on the team and you're sitting there, your team's gonna be giving you quick tidbits and bits of information. You're never gonna get fully all of the information about what they are doing throughout their day. You're only gonna get the information that is pertinent to the project, or you should be only getting the information that's pertinent to the project. Sometimes I've been in meetings where people just like unload about something that they're doing. It's annoying. Um, Kanban is the other one you're thinking about. Uh, But Kanban is different. We can uh, talk about that later. Um, Agile is the overarching framework. Scrum is a uh, specialization of the Agile framework. I am not a huge fan of
1: distributed
0: teams. Uh, yeah, it's nice, but I'm not like a huge fan of like the entire Scrum model. I think they uh, have too many roles in it. Um, like they have the idea of a Scrum Master, and I don't think the Scrum Master is uh, worth having. I think the Scrum Master is uh, a useless role for a team because I think your project manager should be the scrum, uh, should act as the Scrum Master. So you essentially combine the two goals or the two uh, the two roles yeah I think on small teams they do Um, big massive teams I can under like when you've got uh, uh, what's called a scrum of scrums uh, that's where I think a scrum master can come into play and uh, help out with a lot of things Um, but it gets it's complicated I just don't anyway long and short of it is adapt scrum adapt agile to what's best for your team um so as a software lead or maybe the project manager or whatnot, like the, the, your, your developers are going to be giving you short, quick updates. They're not going to be giving you the full picture of everything like, I did this, I did that, I did this, this, and the other. So you're never going to see everything that they're doing at all. And at the same time, when you're giving your update to the people below you, they're never going to see everything that you are doing and they don't need to. And you don't need to see everything that the, uh, the people down there that are doing either. And oftentimes it does end up creating a certain amount of uncertainty. And when an issue pops up and, and something happens, yeah, you're going to be sitting there and you're going to be uncertain. And you're going to need to either get more information, get more clarifying information to make a decision, or you're going to need to make a decision within that uncertainty. So it, it, it's kind of like this and, and they make this point is that leaders need to act on the little information that they have because if you sat there and waited for the entire picture to come through, it's possible you're putting the entire team at risk and or I should say the entire success of the team at risk.
1: You, you risk just being too late to achieve your mission if you wait for comfort and... security and all that crap that we all love. Right. Yep. People are going to die and you're going to wash your hands saying, well, I didn't have all the information. I couldn't make a choice. That's not a real answer. Right. That's a cop out. It's lame. Um, Even somebody as dumb as me can accept that. Right. So you have to sometimes pull that trigger. (laughs) Um, But if you're going to pull the trigger and you have limited information, you do it based on logic and what you have, uh, available to you being intuition, being, you know, and I, I'm a big fan of intuition, right? But all the facts you have, make sure you're not using emotional choices when you are stuck in that situation where you have to make a choice.
0: Hmm. You don't have to
1: be able to define it, in my opinion, right? You don't have to justify it, but um, you do have to you put together all the logic that you can to try to resolve it.
0: Hmm. So I, I, I would this is a whole other discussion, but I would I would say that all emo, all, all decisions are emotional decisions. You mean all purchasing decisions? One. No, all <laughs> decisions are emotional decisions. They've done a couple of studies out there uh, with some people who have had um, the emotional center of their brain cut off. Entirely, like they just mm-hmm. don't really feel emotions. So what ends up happening is they end up in endless logic loops and they cannot make any decision whatsoever. And so all mm-hmm. so all decisions have an emotional component to them. That's why I said use intuition. That's why I said use an intuition. Mm-hmm. Said, use an intuition. Mm-hmm. And the trick is to not make over overly emotional decisions or decisions that are, uh, well what, what do you call it? Um reactionary. That's the trick. But yeah. you know, here, I, here's the I, I, yeah. you know, I'm
1: I mean, kind
0: this smart, you know. So, so, small, so beautiful I'm not beautiful. You're I'm beautiful handsome. to me. I am handsome. I'm not sure I'll give you that, but you look great. Ouch! <laughs> No, you're spectacularly handsome. Let's get on my track, please. Oh, please. You who takes us off track how many times? Hey, that's my sport. Oh, what? I can't join you in that sport? You're welcome. All are welcome to the club. Club uh, diversion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one of the things also is when we make decisions, we also need to be able to be flexible in our decisions and, and we need to be able to essentially, as new information comes in, because that's what's going to happen, you need to be able to change course. So this is the, the, the crazy part about it. And, and this is what Jocko would call a dichotomy when it comes to this, um, this principle. Is that what you would call this? I oh, like okay. um, is while you need to make decisive decisions, like you need decisive decisions. While you need to make a decision in the midst of uncertainty, you also need to be able to go back on that decision when new information comes in and change course. Like it's super important. I would say may, maybe it's better to like, a, a better way of looking at this, would be try not to make decisions that are irrevocable. And that goes back to what Leif was talking about, what he was doing. Like killing somebody on is an an irrevocable decision. So that's part of the reason why he was not making that decision not to act, and instead making the decision to do something else. Because he because going and clearing a building is a much more revocable. Decision than just having Chris Kyle shoot somebody and end up in an irrevocable situation. So, what it's something that's very hard for us to um, comprehend, do, get used to, learn.
1: There we go. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you, you have to practice this to be under fire and to, to not pull that trigger, yeah. So, I think in business is the same. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of rehearse uh, some of this stuff to know when to fire those two
0: buttocks. Nice way to say it. Which leads us into the uh, the, uh, the business discussion that they brought up in here. I kind of, I liked this story. I think this story was fun I did too,
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think this is pertinent to any kind of engineer. Be it software developer, be it boat guy, whatever. Do you want to tell it? I like the way you're telling it. You're awesome mm-hmm. today. You're nailing it. You're like on fire, dude.
0: Yeah. All right. So I like this. Jocko's sitting there in a meeting with some of the executives of a company, and he's sitting there saying, "All right, what wh- who do you believe?" and that's a really interesting question to just ask in general about yourself or about people and and a lot of it falls back on who do you trust what's your relationship like with them what's going on well basically what it's right out the ha- with like what's the meaning of life and what's your inspiration true very true doo, doo, doo. um Sorry. I'm
1: refreshing myself. All right. So-, <laughs> so just a little bit of backstory is we got oh. two engineers, two crews, right? With uh <laughs> engineer leaders and they're fighting the, no matter how many times the CEO or whatever tries to take them out to dinner to resolve the problems. They're it's just terrible. They can't, they're refusing the work that's affecting the production. They're infighting, they're threatening to quit, go to competition. They're Ace. worried if they do quit the, their teams will go, the best parts of their teams will go with them.
0: Yes. They're all, they're creating such a bat. like it's a horrible environment. They're making it bad for the to people below money. them. Did I nail it? No, <laughs> I would say toxic workplace.
1: Okay. I'll go with that.
0: I mean, uh, a lot of it probably has to do with ego. I don't think they really go into why these two were fighting each other, but it's basically to the point where they cannot work together at all. And they say as much. They send an email to the CEO of the company that they're working for saying, I'm quitting if he's staying. Both of them say that. <laughs> It's, it's hilarious, honestly, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, so, the CEO, yeah, yeah.
0: so the CEO is like, I've got these two ultimatums from, I've got this, from these two people who are at each other's throat. I can't get rid of them for all of the reasons that Phil said because of so much fear. It's hard to replace them. them. Mm-hmm. It is. like You get good engineers. It is so hard to replace a good engineer hmm unfair so unfair our
1: education system needs to pump out more of these we try
0: <laughs> we try try harder i i have some it's theories your fault. i have some theories about that but anyway <laughs> i i do too that we should talk about that sometime yeah we should
1: <laughs> soros <gasps> doesn't fund engineers wait what soros doesn't fund
0: engineers uh, maybe.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know, honestly. I don't know what he does. He does so much stu- stuff. None of it seems to be good. That's what it feels yeah. like.
1: Just, you know, I mean, it's good for somebody. It's all one side of the team you're on, honey.
0: That's a good point. Define your evil, please. I have uh, it leads me down a whole other track of things like that I was thinking about and I've thought, seen recently a lot of people talking about it, but I don't want to talk, bring that up here because it's... Too... It's out of the scope of the story. Yeah, it is something else entirely. So basically the CEO is, she receives these emails and she goes to the her, um, her boss. Because the company that these two engineers are a part of is a subsidiary of another company. And so she's going to the bo- her, her boss and being like, I, I don't know what to do. And she can't really do anything because she's at an offsite with all of the, C- of the CEOs of the subsidiaries and stuff. Well, Jocko and Leif are there t- doing some training with them. And so they make the decision of, well, why, we've got these leadership experts here. Why don't we ask them? Why don't we talk to them about this? Right. So Jocko sits there and is like, well, he flips it on. He flips the whole thing around and asks her, like, okay, well, what do you think? And, the, and this is kind of like the mark of a good, uh, uh, in my view, good teachers and good mentors is to to try and, and flip it around and get the other people to talk. Phil, you look like so serious right now. And I thought you were frozen until I saw you breathing. (laughs) I'm just into it. I'm like,
1: I'm hanging on every syllable. And I know I shouldn't, I should think big picture, but.
0: (laughs) So what she basically comes back with is I don't think I believe either of them in this situation at all. And Jocko kind of is like puts it completely square in her lap and says, you need to make a decision. You don't have all of the information. And unfortunately, you need to sit down and and, like figure this out. And it's kind of like, you know, she sits there and she's like, you know, I I think I'm just going to let this play itself out. And shark is like oh, okay why like what are you what are you doing on with it and she says you know honestly I, I just I don't know what's going on here I, either of them could be lying to me it doesn't so I don't know what's going on I just don't have enough information to act and basically he's like okay you know what you don't that's fine and and you know letting the situation play itself out is a valid option but what do you think is going to happen if you let it play itself out like what's what's going to go on and she's like you know time will just tell but they just don't like working with each other they don't like going on with all this it's just if i if both of them, you know, and then we end up in a situation like with what Phil's saying, like she's like, you yeah, know, one of them could leave or they could both leave. They could take the team with them, all that stuff. And she sorry, was like, okay, cool. You, you can play it out, but like, what are the options? What are your other options available? And she's like, well, I could fire one. Okay, that's an option. What else? And he's like, well, I could fire. Yeah, Phil's getting all excited. Fire both. Get yeah. rid of the cancer. Cut it. Yeah. Out. Fire yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because the, the reason why she brings that up is she's like, well, what if I fire the wrong one? So let's say one, one of them telling the truth and one of them is lying. And then she fires the one telling the truth and she gets stuck with the one who's lying. Yeah. Right. Well, she gets stuck with cancer and kicked out Mr. Captain America. Exactly. Exactly. And John is like, uh, okay. And then everybody says, they fucked up. Right. Everybody makes fun. Yeah. Of yeah, exactly, and, and she loses a ton of credibility with people at the company and blah, 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 blah. Anyway. So she sits there and is like, okay, I don't want to lose them, but I can't just fire one of them. What, what do I do? And is like, you're in a bad situation. You, like, these people are bad at this. And she's like, Yeah, you're right. I'm dragging this out. Eventually what she does makes when she makes a decision to fire both of them. She go she leaves the off uh, site to go and arrange everything, makes all of the phone call appropriate phone calls, sends off the appropriate female e females. Sends off the appropriate honey. Sends off the appropriate one the in your day. Ooh. <laughs> um and they're gone by the end of, before the end of the day. They're they they're gone. And, and I, by the way, I love the way they
1: did this. They executed that. I'm like, you know, I did need to write an article job. just on this. They um they before this fire, in like five minutes. They call security. They disconnect all their network access. Remove their emails access. Uh, already have mm-hmm. their team ready to stand up and replace them. Yeah amazing execution good job girl
0: yes exactly exactly and that's the way it should go especially when you have teams like that you need when you are firing somebody (laughs) fire them don't make it up yeah well so here's one of the the here's one of the things Oftentimes, people say, well, when you're firing somebody, the person be fired should be the first one to, that, to know. Well, not necessarily. No. The, the, the issue is you need, to, you need to set yourself up for success when you are firing somebody. And often what that means is you need to do exactly what she did, which is she went, I think one of the first things she did was go and approach the two senior developers under them and said... I'm getting rid of these people. You cannot say anything to them. You two are going to take their places. Yep. I think that was the first thing because she needed to make sure well, that. Me, I'm going to give a little time
1: out. This wasn't the first thing she did, to be honest. They really tried. They spent a lot of time and money and resources trying to patch it up. So it didn't yeah, come out point, of left field. Good point. Right? It wasn't a good point. Just for you bleeding hearts out there. Right. It didn't come out of left field. They were not yeah. surprised when this happened. Yeah.
0: Right. Yep. Now, just just to throw that out there. So, well, I would say the two people back to you. <laughs> I would say the two people being fired were probably surprised and they were probably surprised that both of them got fired. But I think the rest of the team kind of understood what was going on and the rest of the company kind of was like, yeah, this was a good decision. They're they just surprised it happened to them. Right. Yes. You know everybody yes. thinks
1: that they're the one walking on water but yeah. no they couldn't be surprised that it happened because they were like either fire him or i go right yeah, that's a good point you're, when you're, you make that ultimatum right. you
0: know you are risking getting fired well and, and honestly like the point uh, the, the whole thing is if you make that ultimatum to your boss and your boss you're not a partnership anymore what yeah you're not yeah. you're not acting as a partner anymore yep if your boss if and your boss doesn't fire you something's wrong like something's absolutely wrong uh, because yeah and it really is because you shouldn't be
1: in that position where you have to say i can't take this anymore right Yep. that yep. first of all that's a failure somewhere along the lines yeah uh and, and maybe theirs or be. maybe yours
0: yes thank you yep that's what i was exactly like that should never ever be popping up making an ultimatum like that it's just awful. So once they've made the decision, then they go and they approach those people. Then they approach security. And the thing is, like I've, I, I've done this before, you have to time it really awkwardly about cutting people off from stuff because you can't cut them off and then have the meeting because they'll know they'll know something's up, and and that's re- like that's a really bad look and, and bad feeling for things. But at the same time, like with these two people, honestly, like you kind of want to burn that bridge. You don't want them coming back.
1: Um, don't give so, people time to get over the
0: emotional shock and go yes. back and do revenge. Yes, exactly. So the, the the idea then is you bring them into the meeting and while while they are in that meeting, that's when you cut them off from all access to everything. and. Some companies it's pretty easy to do because you just flip a couple switches and you're good to go. Other companies, it's a big ordeal. So you know, and and we should talk about that, right? So if you're a software company,
1: um there's a good chance that they're in the middle of some kind of work that needs to be committed. Yeah. Right? Uh engineering company, right? They're working on a file or a design or draft or something that needs to be committed. Yep. Right. So there needs to you need to have in practice, essentially that's, you know, before somebody comes to a meeting, they commit their work, uh you know, whatever, whatever, right? So they, somebody gets their computers and, go, and be, is, should be able to go back and commit it, right? One way or the other, the other. So there's levels to that, but there's also preparation that you should be doing, such as like fire drills. We all remember the high school fire drills, right? Your company should be able to restore from some kind of emergency, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in whatever kind of industry you're in, you need to prepare for crap like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And firing
0: yeah. is one of those things you need to be prepared for. Exactly. So sabotage. Yeah, you know, that's the other. It's another one. You need to have, and uh, you need to have procedures in place. Essentially, to sum all that up, you need to have procedures in place for th- situations like this. And rehearsals. Thank you. That's the other one. Yep. So. What ends up happening with this? She fires them. They leave. The two people who step up and take over their, those positions end up doing a phenomenal job. From what they they kind of indicate, and they they do good. They they move on, and things get better. And the thing is, it's like- and everybody
1: realizes that if you're a douchebag, you get fired. Yep. And everybody yep. finds more motivation to find harmony <laughs> yeah. versus the
0: the opposite of that. Well, so in, here, here's an interesting interesting discussion we could have. Do people, is that motivation um, to, to have that harmony or to find that harmony, is that motivation driven by a fear of, well, if I don't find harmony, I'm going to get let loose? Or is it because the cancer is now out, the harmony can then get created.
1: Yeah. 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 And there's, you know, it comes to a whole ton of stuff, right? Exactly this. If you leave broken windows, you tend to get more broken windows. Yeah. Um, if you Brooklyn allow Street. negative attitudes, you get more of it because it breeds, right? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, rip off the band-aid and get to work. Like I said that I like, I
0: really like this this uh execution yeah it's nice i mean i I, to go to go back to my question i was trying to get you to jump in with some discussion about that question restate the question because i'm senile oh please uh when all right so there is disharmony between the teams okay there was disharmony and a lot of that disharmony uh, well, you know, I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna because I'm gonna lead. I'm gonna lead you to an answer. So there's this harmony oh, no trying to lead me to the water. I'm no, like a camel. No, I. I, I it, there, there's disharmony between the teams, and you you have the, the two team leaders. You take the team leaders away. Are the team are the teams going to now harmonize because they're of of a fear of if we are not in harmony, we're going to lose our jobs, or are they going to harmonize because those two leaders are gone?
1: The anger the of the chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I would say in this situation, it's gonna be for fear, right? Because they, um, they let it go on too long. Mm-hmm.
0: They mm-hmm. let it go
1: on too long. If they had cut it off a bit sooner, mm-hmm. right? Then I think it would, could have been more harmony based, right? But- mm-hmm. I believe that they're going to, they have, a, they obviously have a culture of desire and harmony because they really worked hard for it. Um, so that is, that's obvious. If they had taken out that factor mm-hmm. uh, altogether, it would just be a, like a fair economy. Mm-hmm. But because they let it go on a little too long, it's questionable which way it's going to lean,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Now, if they had, just taking them both to the bar, uh, said let's work it out, right? And when they couldn't work it out after that, they just fired them on the spot, right? I think that would be like okay, yeah, harmony has to be something that we work on quickly because that's the value, mm-hmm. right? What they what people realize is the value was fear of not being
0: able to replace people mm-hmm. uh, from the from the mansion. Yeah. From, from that situation where they took exactly. them out and they, they, they didn't, but like, yeah, it's yeah. great to lose those people because. Exactly. So management was coming
1: from a place of fear. Yeah. Right. Management they weren't coming to is- a place of cultural values. Yeah. Um, and it becomes obvious. So yeah. that's why I say, yes, it's probably fear-based with the desire to find harmony. Mm-hmm. So, but they didn't lead from that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? They didn't lead <laughs> yeah. from the. Of looking for army, they they led from a position of fear of um, losing business, and not being
0: replaced. So that's it, it, that, that. So I agree with the assessment in general. Um, I think the, your your assessment is um, a pretty good one. I would throw out there though the uh, a previous principle we talked about from this book: um, there are no bad teams, only bad leaders. And if those two people are the bad leaders and you get rid of the bad leaders and you raise up the good leaders in their place. And then let's say in theory, uh, this CEO is a good leader too. So you, you you remove that disconnect and you bring in two good ones. You, I think that you can start working with the harmony stuff and, and bring things together. Now, I would argue too, that even then there's still a fear component as well. I think it's a mix honestly, of things. I think that the bad leaders, because they disliked each other and they were not there, they were infecting the rest of the team. Because I've been in teams where, so there's a, in what we call in the client services industry, we end up with a mentality of what we call us versus them. And it's very often where the, like us, the software developers, we know best. We think we know best or we say we know best. We're paid to. And the client. Right. That's true. And the client doesn't know anything. And so we have to fight with the client to give the client what they should have. And so it creates like this whole us versus them mentality. It creates this whole Horrible thing, horrible situation. Well, if you like you if you get rid of that and you start focusing in on pro, like it's not us versus them, it's us with them, us advising and helping them, it's it changes the dynamic entirely. And I've been on teams where we've had one or two people on the teams that just can't get rid of that us versus them mentality at all. A very strong and, traditional sales position, actually.
1: Yeah, you you are correct. You are absolutely correct on that. Have so, I told you about my position of uh, standing, part, like standing with the customer as a partner, even if your solutions don't work for them?
0: Well, yeah, you Have i ever talked about, about that. Uh, no, but I know I, I have an idea of what you're talking about, but don't dive into it and talk about it because, and then we okay. can circle back to what i uh, what I was saying. Cool. Cool. I, I,
1: I didn't want to jump into the sell your thunder. Um, but essentially here's here's what I'm working with a customer. Um, I will sit beside them. Like, a, I'm like they're like, I'm their actual partner Yeah, and listen to the whole problem and then dive deeper into it with them yes. and even get into what it's Traditionally, none of my business. I have no problem stepping there, and I will. Right? If you don't want to, if you don't want somebody stepping into your business, don't call me up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, because I need the whole picture to understand if my solution will actually work for you. And I'm not scared to say I am not the right partner for you. Yes. And because, and the big reason for that is. Uh, I have enough experience to, to know that if I try to fix your problem with my solution and it's not a good fit, you're gonna regret it later, and so will I. Yeah. And sometimes I it's best for me just to be honest about that, let you move on, or let you hire me, if I choose to, and I don't always, if I choose to, to sit with you as an advisor to bring in the team and develop that team and just use my intellectual. Uh, capital with you rather than my actual assets based off the team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, that's an option for me. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it's not, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes I'm just going to be like, all right, cool. Actually, you should hire me for like two hours to be a consultant to write up what you need. And so you can take it to Upwork or wherever and find the exact talent. Cause I think you actually have the ability to manage that yourself. Yep. Or you don't. You really don't have the ability to do this. I'm so sorry, George. But how about you either hire me to manage this because I don't want you getting hurt, right? Mm -hmm. Or you let me write up a description to find the talent that you need to help you manage that. But somebody needs to help you in this process.
0: So that is that very much sounds like the phrasing. And I'm sorry if I cut you off on that.
1: Go for it. I Um, needed some rescue. (laughs)
0: That sounds very much like the phrasing that I've used in the past with stuff, doctors, not waiters people need doctors and when a doctor comes what does a doctor do a doctor comes in and sits down and talks to you and asks you a ton of questions and does a differential diagnosis which is where they take a look at your symptoms and everything and they start matching it and going back and forth between okay it could be this could be that but this these symptoms don't match this thing so we can roll that that type of thing like they they narrow it down they bring it down and narrow it down and then they figure out from that point all right we have narrowed it down to what you what you actually need here's what you need here's what you need to to do what does a waiter do a waiter comes to you and asks you what do you want and then just gives you what you want and in some situations to be honest like waiters are useful waiters are helpful but the problem is that does not set you up for success in the long run it does not work out uh very well When you sit there and you you take the doctor approach, it like you end up creating a relationship that ends up lasting for for a very long time. Going back to the doctor, doctor leads to friendship sometimes. Yes, and that friendship can lead to other things, which is awesome. And that doc, like that doctor and waiter, uh, taking that doctor and waiter thing. How many doctors do you have? You usually usually stick with one doctor over the years. How many waiters do you have? Hundreds, hundreds within a year, because waiters come and go. And that's kind of what you want. Like you want the doctor as a business. You don't want the waiter. And so that's the important thing. And that's part of what the whole us versus them mentality is. The us versus If you create that us versus them mentality, or you have that us versus them mentality, you're you're just going to be a waiter. Because you're just going to be like, I, I don't want to fight with them because you're going to view every interaction as a fight. And so then you're going to get to the point where you just want to give them what they're saying so that you can move on. But the truth is you don't want that. You want to get to that doctor mentality and be like, I want to partner with you and help you out and work with you on this stuff. Can so, I have
1: fun with this for just no, a second?
0: No, because I need to finish my other point. <laughs> okay, so. I've been on teams where we've had people who just can't get rid of that us versus them mentality. And it is amazing how that one person just infects the entire team and and, uh, infects the way the team behaves and acts and interacts and, and things like that. And like... I was talking with a friend the other day, uh, other day and there's a very toxic person on, uh, who's on their team and they're trying to get a build out and this toxic person has sat there and said, no, I'm the one who's control, in control. and they're trying to get a build out because they need to be in uh, certain compliance with things. They're currently in legal peril as a, um, as a company because they're not in compliance. And this person is like is just because of their attitude, because of the way they are and because of the way they're behaving behavior is, they're preventing a, the build from even occurring. And the team is just sitting there like, we can't we need to do this. We need to get this going. And everybody on the team is just like, uh, we don't want to deal with this person. We don't want to do anything. Like he, my friend told me at one point, they were doing a retro. And in retros, you, you just typically sit down and you talk about what went well, what went wrong? What do we need to improve on? What do we need to keep doing? Things like that. And at one point, Everybody nobody put anything. It was an empty board. There was nothing there. And that is a massive red flag for teams. Like if you see that as if you are a project manager and you are running one of these uh retros and you see an empty board, that is a hundred percent red flag. And you need to sit there and be like, something's up. We need to figure this out because but anyway, like it's all because of this one toxic person. And on teams where I've been on and we have a toxic person like that and we get rid of them for whatever reason, it's amazing what happens. Bless you. It's just absolutely amazing. Like there was one time I, we had this horrendously toxic person on the team. We got rid of them. And our productivity spiked massively for the next three months. We were like churning out builds. We were like getting features together. We were doing a – it was phenomenal. It was fantastic. All You're on the honeymoon. Yeah, yeah. All because we got rid of one person. Well, and then unfortunately they brought in another person who was equally – who was just as toxic and we ended up – So the they did this to get
1: three months of productivity boosts. Yeah, pretty much. They tricked you. Yeah. Right. Brilliant. Jar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have my jar with me. Let me have. Just to point it on the I, I, I dropped a bunch.
0: Yeah. So here. <laughs> that's satisfying. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so long and short of it is. The thing is, like with this business situation, she did not have all of the information, but she did have enough information. She knew that these two people were creating a toxic environment, creating a, a point pl- place where they could not. Uh, they just could, didn't have any harmony. They could not produce anything. They were, these two people were a roadblock, and this situation popped up and came up, and she was like. Ah. I have to do something. Something has to happen. So she got rid of them, and I suspect, and I highly I, that the people who came in after, yeah, there were there was a fear component, and they were like, we we need to do something because something's. Something that's horrible. And so there's a fear component there about hey, we need to get we need to bring ourselves together as a team or we're going to lose our jobs. But at the same time, I think getting rid of those toxic people also helped remove a ton of barriers so that the teams could get together and be and, and harmonize, essentially. So all yeah, you have to, get through. to sit there and say that. So anything else to add?
1: No, no, I'm gonna make a joke in the later part but right. i don't want to just the focus this was a good one
0: yeah, actually I like
1: i think you wound it out great <laughs> thank you
0: <laughs> i like it i like this topic um every once in a while it is a it is something difficult it's a skill to learn over time so anyway we're going to get switching over to the paid portion of the show so we will be finishing up this book next week (laughs) after so many episodes (laughs) Um, you know i don't know i think the next
1: chapter is almost like a prelude to the following book it
0: is a little borderline it is it's a prelude to it but at the same time it's a good one so still part of the book all right so we will uh we will talk to y'all next time let's switch over All right, everyone, that's it for this episode. But our discussion didn't end here, we actually went on for another hour or so. If you would like to hear the rest of that discussion or the full unedited podcast, please head on over to do two dudes with an opinion.locals.com. That's two, the number two dudes with an opinion.locals.com. And for the, just the price of a cup of coffee, you can hear that full unedited version. And if you want to talk to Phil and I directly, uh, just buy us a you know trip to McDonald's. That's it. That's all we ask. Anyway, if you enjoyed this and like what we are doing, please leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us in the charts. If you didn't enjoy it, well, well, I'm sorry. You can just drop Phil a line and, and let him know what you what you thought. And his uh, email is in the podcast notes. So just let him know. He'd like to hear from you. Before you go, please hit that subscribe button so you can get the latest episode from us. Otherwise, you can find all of our social media uh, in the podcast notes if you want to connect us with us there. If you do all that, we'll continue bringing you these great episodes, these great discussions, Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you later.